0: back. Welcome back to Mission Forge, everybody. I'm Bobby Jankovic. I'm the broker of REMAX Capital. This is where iron sharpens iron. Today, I've got a topic that's very important to real estate, and it's pretty simple stuff. Termite and moisture inspection for the transfer of real estate. And I'd like to just go through some of the nuts and bolts. This is perfect for you, if you are new to the business, thinking about getting into the business, or perhaps even if you're buying a house or planning on selling your property. So let's get into it quickly here. Got a checklist for you for some things that I want you to think about. And again, this is going to be geared towards your, um, your agents, but I want you to know the options for ordering the report and also the payment of that report. There's no prescription for who has to order it, who has to pay for it, and under different circumstances, different people may elect to do that. Of course, it would be a point of negotiation in a purchase contract. You should also know the scope of the report and delivery deadlines. Uh, Termite and moisture reports generally will have a shelf life, so don't anticipate that they will be good forever because to protect the liability of the person in the company doing the report, they must expire due to changes on the ground. Well, I think you also should know the difference between treatment and repairs, and sometimes the contract may call only for treatment and not repairs, and sometimes it may call for both. And sometimes it has to do with underwriting guidelines so there's a lot to pay attention to it may just be that the damage is going to be arrested by the treatment of a pest and the the repairs may have to be done at another time there's a difference and now this is a local area uh, statement here and a lot of what I'm going to say today is local area uh, to the state of Virginia, certainly to my region, but you need to know the difference between termite and moisture problems. Commonly referred to, I shouldn't say commonly, more professionally referred to as WDI and WDO. So our WDI is a report that covers wood-destroying insects, and our WDO is a report that covers wood-destroying organisms. Some companies don't handle both of those uh, reports, so it's good to know going in, if you need both reports and desire both, you're either going to, in some cases, have to call two companies, but most often, you will find a company that handles both of those, and it's because they require different certifications. Um you need to know your contract language. If our area is served by two, three, sometimes more uh, different contracts, and they each treat these issues differently. Uh, I know one glaring example is that one report requires only a WDI and not a WDO, so um You may be thinking you're getting uh, an inspection on something that you're not. And if you don't know your contractual language, you might be left scratching your head and having your wallet out. Um, You should understand the obligations of the seller to remedy issues. Just because there is an issue does not default to the seller has to remedy that issue. It will depend largely on the scope of the issue and the nature of the issue. I think if you are an agent, you should counsel your sellers on the pros and cons of a pre-listing inspection. Generally, I am not a fan of pre-listing inspections, but I think when it comes to termite and moisture, since it is the most common area where there is an issue, and since, in my opinion, ultimately most of the responsibility will fall back on the seller Regardless of the contract language, I encourage sellers to figure out what's going on under that house before they put it on the market. That's me. You may like to handle things differently. I think also as an agent, you should counsel your buyers on the pros and cons of an annual warranty program. As with any warranty program, they are going to be limited in scope, but provide a certain layer of protection okay we are going to move on to some action items following the checklist if you're going into a purchase contract you want to establish who will be paying and who will be ordering is it the buyer going to order and pay is the buyer going to order and the seller going to pay and there's all sorts of different um arrangements that you can make and different strategies too You should use an addendum to add wood-destroying organisms if needed. If the contract doesn't call for WDO, it would be in your best interest as the buyer's agent to ask for WDO if you felt that the situation needed it. And really, since we aren't the experts, we better let them get out there and figure it out. You should consider adding outside exterior structures into the scope of the report. The contractual language may default just to the house itself. And if you have a, an exterior shed or a deck or some type of uh, detached garage, if it's not listed, it may not be part of the scope. I think you should pay attention cl- closely to whether the home is on a crawl space or a slab foundation. That has a major impact on these reports. Um, should inquire with the seller either directly if you're the listing agent or if you're the buyer's agent, ask her about existing warranty plans. might be advisable just to continue a plan that is in existence. And also, you want to inquire about previous treatments. Okay, on to some best practices for termite and moisture. We want to educate. This goes back to Setting our expectations for our clients. We want to educate the buyer and manage expectations. An example of that may be, um, you know, you may have to negotiate on repairs above this dollar amount, or um, you may end up faced if you really want the house and the seller doesn't have the money and it exceeds the repair allowance, you may end up faced with the decision, do you want to make those repairs? So you need to manage those expectations. And on the same side, you need to do the same thing for the seller. Even if it goes above, if a repair amount goes above that repair allowance, the seller is going to end up with that problem if the buyer leaves the contract, as they're allowed to. If it gets into a negotiation phase and the seller doesn't want to pay and the buyer want to pay, the you know termination is, is the remedy. And who's left with the house with damage, uh, which would need to be disclosed going forward? So that's kind of why I said earlier, in most cases, this does fall on the shoulders of the seller. And... So that's why I kind of push for that pre-inspection. All right. Um, I think, too, that you want to look as the agent or the buyer, you know, you want to look for signs of previous treatment. A lot of times there's different telltale signs. There may be some cartridges in the ground around the base of the house. Sometimes you see... Um, in into steps and patios you'll see holes about the size of a I don't know a little bit smaller than a dime drilled into concrete could be in the garage could be on a a cement patio and they'll be closed up with some type of putty or something and that's where they drilled through injected a treatment and then they patched it up just good to be aware of what you're looking at lastly as a best practice, make sure that your termite and moisture um, vendor has gotten the bill on the closing disclosure. Um, they These companies are generous and they allow payment from closing, which represents a risk to them. So I think as a courtesy, you should assist in getting them paid. And sometimes you can be the vehicle for getting that um, termite moisture bill to show up on the closing disclosure. Now, most of your attorneys and title companies are going to look for that because they know it's as routine. And so your proactive, stronger companies will seek it out. Um, But to be a good professional, you want to help shepherd that along so that two months after closing, you don't get, you know, Joe's pest company calling you looking for payment. That creates problems that nobody wants to deal with. All right, some yaadas and yagatas. Let's look for obvious signs of trouble during showings, you know, before we even made the purchase offer. And, and we see these things, it doesn't automatically mean that there's an issue, but we just want to start to pick up trends and signs. Standing water is an issue. Termite tubes in the garage are an issue. Clogged gutters can be an issue. All right, all these things... You know, standing water in itself isn't a big deal if it, for instance, just rained or it's been heavy rain. You know, but if it hasn't rained in a day or two, hmm, it's really going to make you scratch your head. Nobody likes water close to the house. Of course, unless it's a natural body of water, then we're talking. Then we're talking. Um, you know, if the gutters are clogged, first of all, it's going to show that the house probably isn't in the best state of care. But second of all, that water is coming down from the sky and it's going somewhere. So the question is, where did it go, and what problems did it cause when it went there? Termite tubes in Virginia. See, we here we don't have um, we don't have the termites that that fly around so much. Ours are the ones that cause problems here. I should say are the, called the subterranean, and they will um, they'll come up from the ground and they'll come up and just build little tiny mud tubes. To get to where they're going and they love to go through dirt to get there so if you have a you know a little step patio that leads to your front door you know three brick steps with the railing up and then a, a cement pad on top a lot of times underneath that cement pad is just filled dirt you know so they didn't have to fill it up with cement they pour dirt in there sometimes there might be some bricks old broken-up bricks or something, but termites love to climb right up through that and get to the front door. Not uncommon to see treatment areas around those uh, doorsteps. You oftentimes see these termite tubes in the garage. Chances are you and your buyer are not going in the crawl space, but that would be another place that you would see them. Um, If there's things whether it's yard debris or just vegetation that have gotten up very close to the foundation walls, that's an unhealthy environment. Well, I should say it's a healthy environment for critters and these uh, termites and other, you know, lack of airflow and moisture. All these things conglomerate together just to have an unhealthy environment for the house and things start to develop that we don't want. So look for those types of things before you've even made the purchase offer. Um, Once you've made the purchase offer, listen to your home inspector. home inspector is going to point out those things and more, they're going to be in your attic. They're going to be in the crawl space. And while they most commonly are not certified to tell you if there is a condition, they do this all day, every day, day in, day out, month in, month out. They know usually what they're looking at and will probably make you aware Um, in pretty obvious terms of what they are seeing. So pay attention to that. Also be aware that, and in our area, this is very common. Lately, it's been about uh, one in two almost, maybe not quite 50%, but I'd say every bit of 35 or 40% of buyers are using their VA uh, uh, voucher, VA eligibility to get a VA loan, and those buyers will not, be allowed to pay for anything so if you're a seller and you accept a contract with a va loan you're kind of dialed in to making repairs or allowing the buyer to get off the hook Uh, i want you to make sure that the report is performed in the proper time frame we've covered that a little bit earlier uh also we already did mention the shelf life now there's some pit the shelf life of the report there are some pitfalls with termite and moisture if you have a seller and you're interviewing that seller, I want you to sort of push and interrogate and question, what do you know about your crawl space? Uh, let's say one in 20 of homeowners will go into their crawl space, but the other 19 aren't. And not only are they not going in there, but a certain percentage of them won't send anybody in there just because, you know, no news is good news, I guess. But when you've got a moist climate and a lot of trees like we do in Virginia, there will be problems underneath. Um, So if your seller says something to the effect of, yeah, we had someone under there seven years ago, brace yourselves because you could be in for a wild ride. Treatment costs and damage repair estimates exceed the cap amount. Oh boy, that is a doozy. Take a deep breath though, because where there's a will, there's a way. And usually these issues can be dealt with um the largest i've ever seen was in the twenty thousand it was in the twenty thousand range i think it was twenty four thousand dollars more commonly your issues range in the two to five thousand dollar if they're if they're a reasonable um most commonly seen issues uh, your treatments will cost probably around 12 $1, to 1500 and there's if there's damages it's usually a couple thousand dollars anything over four, I call kind of a big league repair. Um, You know, some people call it, um, and I think rightfully so, uh, a little bit of a um, conflict of interest when your inspection company is the same as your repair company. Huh, you're saying I need some repairs. Oh, and you'd happen to give me a proposal for those repairs. Now, the good news is, Most of the companies out there are very honest, and you probably need not be concerned. However, there are companies that will only do inspections, and that's their business. And then when and if you need repairs, they will either refer you to a couple of different contractors or rely on you to get your own contractor out to perform repairs. Now, most of all of your inspection companies will perform treatments um, because that's what they're in the business to do. And if it needs a treatment, it needs a treatment. What are the two treatments? Usually, what are the what? And what are the insects? I didn't even go over that. So here in Virginia, we have the subterranean termites, but we have some other things too. Um, this is like bumblebee type thing that runs, flies around. It's called a carpenter bee, and it it's not very um, aggressive towards people or or pets, but boy, it just loves to eat holes in wood, and it's that same sort about the size of a dime, and they get inside the the fascia boards and deck boards sometimes, and they'll just bore a hole right in there, I guess, to to live, and you'll see the dust, uh, the sawdust fall out. That's a wood-destroying insect. You've got uh, post-powder beetles. They'll do similar things. You've got carpenter ants, Um, and that's about all I can think of at the moment, that and your termites. Um, your organisms, usually it's just fungal growth caused by excessive moisture, um, some type of mold perhaps. Um, okay, other pitfalls for termite and moisture. So if you, if you take a company that only does the inspections and the treatments, the treatment for your crawl space and then your, um, I'm sorry, the treatment for your WDI and your WDO would be separate. Sometimes one is needed and not the other. Um, and they may be damaged in addition to that. So if you're bringing in a third-party contractor to do those repairs, sometimes there's some coordination that goes on. Uh, For instance, um, the the treatment is not going to take place and then do the repairs. So they might prep the space by, for instance, pulling the insulation out, Uh, have your contractor go in and perform the repair of two or three joists, then your termite moisture company will come back and do the spray, for instance. That's just one possibility. Um, It can be a pitfall if the home under warranty is assumed to have no damage. That can kind of blindside people because sometimes we're like, oh, it's under warranty. They come out every year. We're fine. Well, if the... The last inspector wasn't on his game. You could have 24 months have gone by before a real problem was noticed. So don't be too assume don't be too alarmed if there is some actual damage there, and let's hope that that damage is covered, and let's hope that that company has not gone out of business. All right, um, I've got a couple of notes that I want to go over some capital tips um, with you. I think it's good for you to develop a solid relationship with, your, with a termite and moisture company if you're um, a real estate professional. It's good to have people that you can get out there, sometimes to just get an opinion um, or a second opinion. And you should have a couple or three that you can refer out. It really ultimately is the buyer's decision if they're the one ordering it. You want to learn about the value of having a dehumidifier in your crawl space. Um, it's become much more popular recently, but a uh, dehumidifier will just basically keep it nice and dry down there. It's a little bit more involved to getting one in there. Normal crawl space, you're probably looking at a price tag of about 2700 maybe $3,000. Um, you want to learn about the value of encapsulation. Okay, that's a little bit more involved, but it's a lot more involved. Um, it also involves um, c- controlling the climate underneath there and basically blocking off all the outside elements. Um, If you want to go old school, you want to learn about the value of crawl space fans. Um, and They might be on a humidistat or they might be on a just a regular switch or uh, something like that. If you want to go old, old school, learn how to use the vents. Open them in the summer, close them in the winter. Um, And there's all sorts of different theories about that, but, you know, they worked up... That was the system back in the day. So uh, don't discount what what worked for a long time. I'm not saying it hasn't been approved upon greatly, but you might come across some older houses that just have good old-fashioned vents. And now, as we're wrapping up, I want you to consider getting a second opinion for work, okay? Work uh, can sometimes easily save 20% if you just pull in a contractor who can knock out those uh, repairs, then have your termite mo- moisture company go back in there. Um, so it pays to get these things identified early so that you're not rushing in the last four days before closing to try to pull contractors off of other jobs, uh, putting them in a position where they're doing you a favor or something like that. Um, Lastly, I didn't talk too much about your moisture barrier. Uh, This is basically a glorified piece of plastic um, that is, unfortunately, easily marked up by the termite moisture companies Um, and, you know, they're in business, right? Rightfully so. I was not a knock on your termite moisture companies, but most commonly what you see, if you take the time to go into a crawl space, is there's probably one there. And it's just gotten bunched up or or moved around. And, um, you know, with a little bit of time and care, it can probably be straightened out and tacked down so that it's performing its job, which is basically to keep ground moisture from getting into the air of the crawl space and then ultimately into your rafters. Not your rafters, your uh, joists and and causing issues. All right. Well, that concludes... um, the exciting world of termite and moisture as seen by Mission Forge, where iron sharpens iron. So I I hope to see you on our Facebook group page where I encourage you to share content that is supportive of um, us bettering ourselves in the world of real estate and just service professionals in general. It's not necessarily exclusive to real estate, but you know, that's my focus as a real estate broker. So thanks for joining me and I wish you all well.